This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Welcome to All Possibilities. I'm really happy that you could be with us today. I'm here with a guest. He is Andrew Roth, and he's an actor, producer in film and television. Andrew, so nice to have you here on the show today. Nice to be here. Thank you very much, Julie. So um, I know you go by Andy, so let's call you that. And so why don't we start off by having you share with us how you got into acting and producing and what has been that career journey been like for you? I started, or theater I should say, found me. Uh, I went to Stony Brook University and I was starting in business uh, because my father owned a real estate company. And I was trying to, you know, follow in my father's footsteps, but I was pretty miserable. So I went ahead and I've always wanted to look into acting and theater. So I took an acting class and it really started, it bit, you know, it took. And then when I first went into the theater, which was a black box, it was empty, kind of felt like walking into a church. It felt sacred to me. It felt very holy. And uh, I began to just discover that I have the ability to make others feel, inspire them in any way, in any shape, however that may be, good or bad hopefully more good, but uh, as an actor and an empath, that's what I like to uh, utilize my gifts, inspire others to feel and take them away from this moment. Or maybe also bring them into the moment as well, not take them away from it. Make, bring them and their awareness more about the moment because that's really what it's all about, present moment-to-moment -moment awareness. That's what it's about for me. What do you mean when you say you're an empath, for those who aren't familiar with the word? It's, I'm very aware of how others people feel, or at least I believe that to be, you know, I, we can only imagine without, you know, so much of it is, can be imagination, but um, a big part of my life, the, it was a problem for me. I would walk into a room and I could have absolutely pick up on thoughts, patterns with people, um, and to flash forward into my life, I became an addict over being such a powerful empath. I, I used to feel everybody's feelings and thoughts, and it became too much, and I wound up turning to drugs and alcohol as a way to fight that off, because I didn't have a safe place really to harness it and project it. So... Uh, yeah, empaths are those who have the ability to feel what others feel, I believe. What was the moment when you first discovered you had this ability? I don't know if it was the moment, but there was. it's a terrible story. It's, uh, uh, you know, the first time I was ever gotten hit by my father, and I have four other brothers. And the four of us were lined up because my oldest brother had mitterated on the toilet seat and my mother sat on it. And I knew he had did it and he never told me that he did it, but I had known that he had did it. And I, you know, long story short, we all got, I wound up saying that I did it 
and got the, I took the brunt of all you know the beatings from my brothers and stuff. But I picked up on that, and I've always known it. Especially, I found it's more powerful for people that I'm not so much connected with, but people that I have a fear towards almost too, or strangers. It's almost, I have an innate ability to pick up even more on those than the people that I love. The people that I love, it's, and I'm comfortable with, it's almost like it's, we are the same, but it's the emanations that are exuding from people that are aggressive or dangerous to me that come on, make, make them come up stronger in myself. It brings about my awareness. Do you have examples of that? I'm trying to figure out like what how how that impacts you on a day. Well when I walk basis. into a room, the first thing I'm gonna do, I always try to do is try to put my back to it, you know what I mean? Or try to look for if I'm with people that I care about, where I can put them off to the left, you know, to the side so that they can be safe, you know, things like that. I'm on martial arts background too, so that's that's the you know, being always always protecting the ones that I care about goes hand in hand so right and being very aware of your environment and and the people who are in it so how did you cultivate this um skill i'd say did you for a while i didn't for my my addiction i let it just go you know and so much of that happens once we go into an addictive mode our life spiritually stops growing. You know, we can't get any new information. But uh, mostly through meditation and martial arts. You know, it grounded me, taught me to be still. It's taught me to feel and not run away from the feelings. Um, the ability for all of us to be still and not have any external influence. You know, I strive for that. You know, I strive not to be one of these people who is looking down at a phone all the time. And I'm not trying to judge those people, but that's not where I want to be. I want to get my information from a higher source. And I don't believe these sources that we have available and man-made sources are going to get us there. You know, um, I'm careful with who I ask spiritual advice from because many people don't even know the destination of where they're going, spiritually speaking. And I don't want to get the wrong directions, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, also careful on when to give advice too, because this is just working for me. Who's to say what's going to work for somebody else? You know, we have to. We need our own verifiable truth within us before we can really believe anything. You know, we have to know that that is source. That I have experienced that, and then I can I can believe it, put it into action. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a lot at least in my experience of, uh, or seeing the value of my own personal experience, regardless of what people share with me or, or counsel me or whatever advice people give. And I always kind of take it in and sit with it or play with it and then kind of come up with my own conclusions. Who knows if that's the right way to do it, but that's been, that's been one way, like one approach that I've had. And there's so many ways, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the confusing part. That's the that's the part that makes it so troubling for us, you know. Babel, the Tower of Babel, you know, it's speaking in tongues. We were designed to speak this many languages, you know. It's almost like the the source wanted us to be confused, you know. It seems like that in a way, but maybe not. Maybe it it, it gave us a message for each epoch. Each person had its time, you know. Christ, Gandhi, you know, Martin Luther. Each and it was also the person for that area where they lived, you know. So, yeah, we could spin our own heads going around and around about it, you know. But there's there is a wrong way. Certainly, there is a wrong way, you know, to get there. And it's when it's at the expense of somebody else, their safety, their, you know, spirituality. If we're doing anything on the backs of somebody else, it's wrong. That's it, you know. Anything that does not give, you know. Something I say to people, I, I just recently, my higher power has come to me and it said, there's no way any of us, any being who deceives, who lies, hurts, or just their mode is to get. There is no way that God can make, or divinity can make itself 
available to that person because they have built around them like a, an invisible wall of negativity that the permeations cannot get through. And the negative emanations are just staying back, locked in again and again, you know, back in against this person. So for someone to wail out, why is there no God? Why is there no, why isn't he listening to me? God can't do anything if you're not willing to do first for, for ourselves, right? Or spirituality, you know, it can't be in our life if we're conducting ourselves a certain way. We have to make amends, repent, whatever those terms are, to get back in the good grace, the path that we want. It's the path that I've been working on for a while, you know, for myself now. Uh, just September 14th, I uh, became four years sober from alcohol. Grateful to say, yeah, just uh, two weeks ago. So uh, it's been a long, hard road. Congratulations. So let's talk about your spiritual journey. And it seems like we've already gotten glimpses of, of being an empath, meditation, martial arts. Can you describe that journey for you? Like where you, where you received inspiration, the moments when you um, kind of found your way? Sadly, I became, it was because I was beat so much from both my father and my older brother, that I began to want to fight, not defend myself or practice good. It was strictly to, to fight and make the people who were hurting me hurt, unfortunately, for so many of the first for a few years. You know, that's what brought me to martial arts. And uh, it took a long time for me to break that. And of course, there's patterns. I mean, I slipped, went back into it. But I think when I finally found Kung Fu in the Chinese form, the forms which is more meditational, more spiritual, as opposed to the karate and the jiu-jitsu, which is very brutal. Um, and I had a, a really good teacher, Stephen Miranda, who taught me that stuff. You know, he, he, he taught me the spiritual side. You know, it was more about that than the fighting. He's like, you know how to do that stuff. He began to teach me meditation, but very rudimentary meditation. Um, I'm grateful to say that I've, I'm a Vipassana meditation a practitioner now. Somebody has turned me into that, or turned me onto it a few years ago. And it's funny because I could say now that my whole life I never meditated until I finally got to Vipassana. I was doing what people like to say, meditating, relaxing. You know, I'll go to the beach and just stare at the waves and think nice thoughts. And I want to denigrate that. That's nice. It's good. Because you're centering yourself, but that's not meditation. In meditation, there are no thoughts. You know, it's the hardest thing to do. And there's forms. There are forms of meditation. But for me, I don't like watering anything down. And the power of words is so... I mean, it's you can't wash anything away. I mean, you got to hold yourself accountable to the words that you use. And we just like to water everything down. But I can't do that. I have to hold myself to a certain level of accountability because I know. And if I know I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to say that I'm doing it just to convince myself, to make myself feel better because I am still lying to myself. You know, we can say whatever we want to other people, but I know when I put my head down in the bed, if I'm not sleeping, I know why. You know, um, my, I can be my own worst critic at the same time, you know, and I make it so very hard on myself. But that's because I, I find that the people who know and the people who are in touch with a, something greater than ourselves, those people have a direct contact. It's our responsibility to do the right thing because we know. And if you know and you don't do it, your misery is going to be compounded, you know, 10 times harder than the other person who never, ever earned that right. Because it's a right. We have to look hard at ourselves and life. Not at other people, but ourselves, and hold ourselves accountable. Nobody really, not very few people want to do that. It's a, it's a hard, painful thing, you know. Especially if you see something, you're going to see something about yourself that you don't like that you want to change, and that takes a lot of work. Did you grow up in a religious background? No, uh, my father was agnostic. My mother was Episcopal. Um, we were allowed to believe whichever. Faith, we were, you know, my mother remarried Mark Roth when I was one, 
So we were allowed to practice whatever faith. But my grandfather, he was a minister, and he was the closest man, male figure that I had my whole life. And I just always felt a strong affinity for it, you know, the, the crucifixion of cross, all of his tears, you know, the words. Um, I believe in that man, you know, in the Christ figure, but I also believe in other figures. You know, as I said, there were people here brought at certain times for the people, for the masses, like a Martin Luther King, like a Gandhi, like a John Lennon, you know, because they speak to us. Um, it's, it's like God's always been there my whole life with me, except for the times that I cast him out. He never cast me out. So there's a lot of people who, who meditate, whatever forms of meditation they do, and it may not always take the step into receiving guidance or intuition or connecting with God, divinity, whatever you want to call it. How do you, how, how did you see that in your own life? It seems like from, from what I understand, like you've always had, or for a very long time, like a connection with, with a higher source. And not everyone thinks that way. So I'm just curious, like how, how do you, how do you understand your experience in the midst of kind of all the other experiences happening around you? It has been with me for a long time, gratefully, you know. Um, just the other day I had a, when I was driving, you know, I had a moment of being alone and then I could hear the voice clearly, you know, you're never alone. I am right here with you. You know, it's the moment I say that I am alone that makes me alone. Any of us, because we're all connected Every single one of us, we have the same color in us. Every single one of us, red, that's the only color for this race, as far as I'm concerned. One race, one, one planet, Earth. Sometimes it's, a hard, it's, it's hard to have this within you, this, this uh, higher power, higher calling. Um, it is a lonely path in the sense that there are f so few walking on it. And when I begin a conversation, I'll try to never, ever speak. It's never from magazines or, you know, the, the banal conversation. I'm always trying to I work about something more spiritual or, or something deeper. And it's a turnoff to, to people. So many people, they, they say that they want to know it, but they really don't. When they f see the work that they have to do to get there, you know, they'd rather sleep. I would rather sleep. You know, it's hard work. It's painful. It's scary sometimes. But when you when it starts to take and you find it, you'll find that there's no other way. You know, there's really no other way. Um, there's no other way for me to center myself, you know, other than being still, focusing on the area below my nose, just the breath coming in, the breath coming out. When I'm doing that, I am so peaceful. I am so calm. Um, the things outside of myself don't matter. It's only my ego that's telling me that they really matter. And when I don't have any thought, then I can connect with the, the, the larger body. So I know when I'm meditating, there are no thoughts. It's the moment that when I start to think or if I'm receiving something, that it's my ego telling me that you're not working on yourself. You're imagining this. You know, it's hard to be able to discern the two. It takes work. Uh, sometimes I feel like I could be tricking myself, but I know the difference. The difference is there's always a little vibe of selfishness to it when it's not the higher power. When I, the voice of mine, the difference between my higher power voice and my lower is that there's a little more of a me, me, get, get selfishness in that tension, even a fear like my show that I want to do, you know, every single thing that I've done in preparation for that has made, has, it's all been catapulting itself forward. And then whenever I want to not do it because I'm so afraid, you know, I have to get up there and, you know, uh, talk about myself and put all of my, my personal information out there. I'm trying to find a way not to do it, trying to find a way not to do it. And then something reveals itself to me. Oh, you're being selfish. You're being afraid. You know, this is, this is your ego 
talking. Um, I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think in my mind, I'm always analyzing like how, how people experience this connection and, and they're, and it, it can be hard to discern between the ego and I, I call it the higher self. I mean, everyone else calls it something else, but there is, there is a difference in how you feel. And it, I think it takes someone who's, who, who is willing to even feel those feelings to even have that awareness in the first place and then be able to discern am I feeling like connected? Am I feeling expansive, loving, or am I feeling fearful, selfish, all the other words that you can, you know, string along. And it, and it takes, it takes a lot of concentration and a lot of consciousness. And, and I don't know anyone who has managed to, to kind of be on one plane the entire time time in their life mm-hmm. or even like in an hour <laughs> exactly right? 15 minutes if i could right. be here what you did with your hands was beautiful because that's exactly what it is when we're getting expansive to higher power and then when we're talking about ego and selfishness and your hands instinctively pulled into your chest like that and went small mm-hmm. that's it that is it you know if you could see it to, if you could show it to somebody the difference that's it this is divinity this is love this is greatness this is this is fearfulness. This is selfishness. You know, boom. You can just show it to a person. And sometimes people need the visual. They, they learn better differently that way. Sometimes when I'm memorizing an accent, actually all the time, I write my entire script out phonetically. Mm. And then I'll memorize it that way. So I can get all the proper enunciations and tones. I also got the sense that you you um, hear things like you had mentioned, uh, which I, you know, I guess the clairaudience is the the term where you can clear hearing and, and being an empath is feeling. So that's clairsentience. So it's like all of these different ways of, I see receiving information from, from a, different higher source whatever that may be and it takes it does take practice to be able to to kind of i mean if you have an analytical mind like categorize what is the information i'm receiving and it's almost like testing it like is this is this true is it is it actually of something positive or loving or is it not and it's it's almost like a moment to moment test that you have to Absolutely. you know have yeah. for yourself and sometimes it's tiring sometimes you just don't want to do it all the time and it is i think it's in a sense tiring all the time it's understandable why people don't want it you know they want it but they don't want to pay the price to get it you know and unfortunately no one's going to carry us to the gates on our back you know we have to walk it ourselves you know and it does take work but So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, Andrew and I will continue our conversation about his his journey, his life, and his acting. We'll be right back. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Greetings, Mouth Media Network listener. My name is Davin Riley, and I'm willing to bet you like music. And even if my assumption is wrong, I still think you should come and check out our show, The Music Lover Podcast, where we sit down with entrepreneurs, pioneers, artists, and the unsung heroes of the music industry. Together, we'll uncover the insider perspectives on some of your favorite companies and artists as we analyze music business trends through a technological lens. Find us at The Music Lover Podcast, but remember, that's Music Lover without the vowels. 
MSCLVR. Yes, we're that cool. And since you're cool too, we should be friends. The Music Lover Podcast. We'll see you there. Andrew Roth, who is an actor and producer in film and television. We were just talking about his career and spiritual journey and his perspective on the ego and the higher self. And so we're going to continue this conversation. First off, how do you see acting playing a role in your journey? And and I'll kind of provide some context for why I'm really curious about this question, because when I see actors, they have to put on so much emotion. And it, and in my mind, when you feel so much, you are in some ways manifesting those feelings, or at least like from the law of attraction perspective, where your thoughts and your feelings create your reality, that it, it kind of allows those similar things, whether it's anger, um, you know, love whatever emotions you have to portray to kind of come easily to you so when you are acting how do you see that playing out like in the context of manifestation and how do you how do you control it like how do you separate yourself so that you don't feel those things if if you're able to if you're able to indeed it's a double-edged sword because it's wonderful for, to be able to clearly understand you know, yourself, give an emotion and just right there and then be able to, you know, portray that emotion. Yuta Hagen had said it in her book, Life for the Actor. Every real natural actor, natural actor, needs to have experienced every emotion by 12 or 13. Then the, you have the others who have learned it from books and taken the, all the theater theory. You can tell the difference between a natural and somebody who's just taking classes. And then you have the amalgamation of both. And that's a real dangerous person or a wonderful person. Cause, but in any case, uh, it's a wonderful blessing because it allows you to just cut right down, trim out the fat, and portray the emotion. The other problem is is if you don't know yourself that well uh, and you could become attached to it. You can become despondent. There's a Dustin Hoffman took him a while after Rain Man. You know, he had to get help. For, you know, he was so method in playing that role. Um, there's another actor, Jared Leto, in Requiem for a Dream, who had to, you know, go to a rehab for his heroin addiction because he was when he, you know, he was sniffing so much dope. He went to go to a monastery in Portugal. So there's things you don't have to do to go down that path. You know, I unfortunately went down that path as well with alcohol. You know, I played a character who was totally messed up in in a film called Dakota, and I just. You know, I didn't put the bottle down after the, you know, after the set. And that's when my alcoholism really started to kick in and pull me away from my path. Um, so, sorry, so you played, you played a character who drank alcohol and then, then the alcohol problem started? Well, I started, or? I started to do my method acting well before set, you know. I'm, I'm sorry, what is method, method acting? Method is just playing the role outside of the, outside of Oh, outside film, which is like film. Daniel Day Lewis is all how he works. Abraham Lincoln, nobody ever knew him. Nobody ever met him as Daniel. From the moment they went and saw him, he was always Abe. You know? oh. um, so my character Kurt, I just started drinking a lot, you know, and I never put it down, you know. And there were, you know, I just I became a shadow of my former self. You know, I became really this guy who wouldn't talk to people, wouldn't make eye contact, and. It was, it was really terrible. I don't recommend method for anyone who's not doesn't have a very strong emotional security, you know, back a uh, blanket. Someone that they could talk to, someone who can co objectively tell them what's what, not for their feelings, you know, not to make sure they're okay or right. This is this is okay. This is not okay. You know, someone who's always going to be there for them with love. Um, it's something that takes a lot of work. You know, I wouldn't ask. For, I wouldn't ask anybody to go, have, you know, for, to go down the path that I've gone or even to want to be an empath. But for myself, it's, I, I couldn't see any other way. Everything has, I've done has brought me here, right here 
to meet you and to maybe share something that I have in my life that can inspire somebody else too. If they can do it, I can do it. You know, what one person can do, another can do. But just be careful, you know. Pray for discernment. How does the industry support people who, I would imagine this is not, this is not an, un, I mean, meaning it's a common problem, or at least it happens more often than people would think. And even for someone like me, who's not well versed in the world of acting or film, I would, I, you know, there's so many stories of actors who, who go down a dark path. So what, what has the industry done to support you or maybe in like school or your own community? Like what, what are the support systems that either you have found to be useful or you would like for it to even be there? Wonderful that you brought that up and you said it. So thank you for that too. You know, we, we lose some of the most amazing people. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, heroin, you know, you know, you, you, how could you even fathom that, that guy on his level at that place, the support systems are always been there for everyone. But if you don't want help, you're not going to get it. And you can't even see help when you're in that state of mind. You're in such a dark place and a selfish, self-centered place that there's there's nobody who even cared to listen. I mean, that's what you're telling yourself. So even if you had somebody bring you to the doors of AA, the first AA room, which I did, and you walk, I mean, it's you have to want the help. You have to know, first of all, that you're sick. You are a, you're a diseased disease. You're a diseased person mentally. You have disease with your body, and now you have created a physical disease of alcohol craving, which you can die from, which I almost did. But you have to want it, the help. You have to not lie. You have to tell everybody. You know, you have to hold yourself accountable. But to get there, it just takes a strong circle. You know, thank God my mother and father never gave up on me. No, not everybody has that. Um, I think if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here right now as they just never gave up on me. I pushed so many people away. Um, but this industry is, and I found like they want to help you. Everybody I ever know and everyone that I've talked to, they've all were just like, you got, you got help. You get, you're an AA man, you know, they're so happy. Like Mark, Mark, you know, he knows everything about me. And it's wonderful. This Mark, industry, our producer. Mark, our producer, <laughs> Mark Rico. It's wonderful because, like I said, this industry wants everybody to succeed and it wants everybody to fail. And it's so sensitive, I think. And almost every industry, I think, it is. If somebody says, I have an addiction or I have an emotional problem causing me to use, I don't, I don't think there's any... I, mean, I know there are, but there's places that would cast them out. I don't see that. I just find, for me anyway, it's always, thank you God, that people have always had a hand out. You know, I wouldn't be alive sitting here today if I if I didn't have these kinds of things. Um, our industry helps everybody else, everybody that they can. You know, man or woman. Nobody wants to see anybody suffer. I I, I don't think even the sickest, angriest people, when they're really quiet inside, they don't want to see anybody else suffer. Is there a kind of a ritual or like a mental? step-by-step checklist that you go through when you to kind of distance or disengage yourself from the emotions when when you're out of character whenever that moment is we have all the time right Uh, (laughs) i always just the first thing of vipassana which is not vipassana it's anapana is uh, you just focus on the center below your nostrils the triangular area and breathe. I just notice, don't control my breathing, just notice it. It's coming in, it's coming out. It's in one nostril, it's outside of one nostril. Don't control it. If I'm doing that, right there and then, I'm meditating. Right there and then, I can be connected. Um, I always try to hold my hands together. That's a, a, a very focused thing to do that I, I like to do because if I'm fidgeting and if I'm all over the place, that's a reflection of my mental state as well. Um, Anything that I could do to pull me back into myself. Anything that can make me still. So now I want to shift gears a little bit. And 
dive into an intuitive reading that I've done for you already. And how this works is I connect with something called the Akashic Records, which is, if you can imagine, a library of information about your soul, kind of thoughts, emotions, um, everything from your purpose to um, what impact you want to have on the world. All of that information is there. And um, all of us are also antennas to receive that information. It's almost like radio waves. Is If you're at the right frequency, you can tune in. And so when I do these readings, I'm usually at home um, before I've met the person. So this is before I met you. And I would meditate on your name and email address, which is what I had. And I would sit at my laptop fully conscious and I would just let um, thought impressions come through me. So I kind of consider myself a vessel that's just taking dictation and I would hear um, words come in, usually kind of on the right side of my head and I would hear words and I would just start typing. So I would just keep typing until I hear okay, it's time for an image. And so I'll sit back, close my eyes, and I'll see images. Um, sometimes this is very fluid, so I might kind of see images as I'm typing these words. And these images are just, um, usually they're metaphors because a picture is worth a thousand words and there's just more um, nuance and complexity that can be conveyed through that form. And then I'll receive an action step. So this is something for you to play with, reflect on, take action on, because ultimately, you know, in the present moment, when we, when we take an action, we're moving kind of on another timeline towards some other future. And so we always have power and, and control over that. Um, and then, yeah, at some point I might know, okay, the, the reading is done and, and then I wrap it up. So how this will work now is that I will share it with you verbatim. So I have it on my phone and I'll read it to you. And then afterwards, I'll ask you, how does this resonate, if at all? And what does it bring up for you? So thoughts, emotions, memories, stories, ideas, whatever bubbles up for you. And um, sometimes you might have thoughts that come up that you, in your mind, you're like, well, that doesn't really relate <laughs> or I don't see how it connects. But keep it in the back of your mind because, you know, our... Our minds and our hearts have funny ways of, of just bubbling up things and we'll use that as um, kind of a jumping off point of conversation afterwards. And let's see, so I have it in my phone. Um, two more points. One is everything's written in third person. So it refers to you as Andrew, he, him, and then refers to me as you because I'm the one seeing and feeling all of this. And then every so often there are words that are in all caps. So that's capitalized. It just means that these particular words are more important. And um, you'll see it when I email it to you. Uh, but my, my verbal signal will be, I'll say, all caps after that particular word. And all mm -hmm. my visual signal is I'll just hold up two fingers like this. So that as I'm saying the words, you will see which ones are just a little bit more emphasized. And yeah, are you ready? So um, the question that I always ask for these um, mini intuitive readings is what is the highest guidance for him at this time? So I can ask any question, theoretically. This is just what I like asking, which just means given everything in your life right now, what is the one thing I can share with you that can align you to who you are on a soul level and that can help you move forward in a way that you want to move forward? Okay, so now you know what to expect. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll dive right into the reading when we get back. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, 
and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Andrew is ready for, for the reading. So again, the question I asked is, what is the highest guidance for him at this time? And it says, You saw and felt a large thunderbolt that struck down from the sky. There was no rain, no storm, and no wind. Just a streak of lightning that struck a single tree in a beautiful landscape. It felt like a sudden moment, a bit of a surprise, and yet as you watched it happen, brightening the sky and causing the tree to fizzle for a split second, it felt like it was true, all caps, and perfectly okay, all caps. This thunderbolt is what keeps him up at night, like he is worried that it will actually do him harm, or that it will start a blaze that he cannot control. There is no sense of being out of control here. It may be sudden, yes, but it is still a sight and experience to behold. And so the image I got for you is a continuation of this metaphor. You saw the lightning bolt hit the single tree, and the entire sky flashed bright. The jagged sizzle left a mark on the tree, a crack that did not break the tree, but certainly left something to be remembered and traced even years later. There was no resulting fire, no resulting panic, just a measured tracing of this large crack in the tree trunk as a reminder of what transpired. The wood was smoking a little bit, but more from the sudden heat and less from flame. This image represents what is sudden, all caps, and its aftermath, all caps. The tree is still standing. The landscape is untouched. But there is a mark that can be seen and felt and traced even hundreds of years later. And so the action step is to reflect on what has been sudden in his life, what left a mark, and know that there was no real damage. There was an impression left, but there was no damage, just something to be remembered by. And so that's the end of the reading. I'd love to hear how this resonates and what it brings up for you. So thoughts, memories, stories, emotions, ideas, whatever bubbles up for you. It brings, it makes me think of first the meeting of uh, God and Moses on the mountain when uh, the burning bush, um, course on no Moses and none of that, any of that, uh, you know, but, uh, because I am, I try to be humble and why would any type of divine creator use my worthless body vessel? I try to, I know I beat myself into being humble. It's not, it's not the right attitude, but it is 
what you're talking about. It is the God power. It is the, the higher power. And when it comes, it can be painful. It can hurt us. It will stretch our minds to a place that will never return to its original shape. Um, what I do, what we do with the information is up to me. Um, I know that this message has been given to me before. Um, and it's up to what I do with, you know, the power that's been sitting inside of me. And what happens is if I don't use it, it grows stale and stagnant. And then an ism will come in or my alcoholism or selfish behaviors. Once you don't give back the gifts that you're given, they will stagnate in you, wither and die, taking you with it. Uh, and sadly, all the people around us who want to have, you know, in our lives go with us as well. But um, I need this higher power that you're talking to me about is also reminding me that everything that I do and everything that I have done had to happen. Even all the people that you hurt, you had to hurt them. I used you to hurt them as sad and as, as it is, they had to get this message from you because that's the only way they would have received it. You don't have to do that anymore. But if you don't do it, you're going to be miserable. If you don't give back these gifts, and you'll be all right no matter what. You don't have to worry about what the people are going to think. I'm specifically speaking about my memoir that I want to perform uh, in, as a one-act play because um, I'm really terrified about doing this. It's uh, you know, it's it's really rough. It's very raw. My memoir. It's it's a lot of abuse, a lot of addiction, a lot of sadness. But I know that uh, there's very few. I've been told strong men, male figures that have suffered the way that I have suffered, sexual abuse, physical abuse, you know, addiction. They don't talk about it. You know, it's always the women that talk about it or the kids or the people that we think are a little bit weaker than the males. And again, I'm trying not to do this. I'm trying to talk myself out of doing it, but even coming here and now what you're telling me and, and like he's screaming in my head, if you don't do this, you're never going to be happy. You're never, you're always going to feel like you keep wanting to get to the destination, but you're already here, Andy. You're at the destination right now. We all are. What are you doing with it, though? What am, What are you doing with the information? You're going to be okay. I always have been okay, but I'm still scared. I'm scared right now, you know? What am I going to do? Act on it or talk about it so it can pass through me, bring you closer to me, both of you. You know, I admit my fear. You, you, we all automatically become closer. There's courage and in, in, in strength in sharing our character defects. We all want to see vulnerability in one another. Nobody wants to see a tough guy. It's so boring. I would invite you to see it from the perspective of as opposed to if you don't do it you'll be miserable and everyone else around you will be miserable because that's sort of cultivating more fear and may not be the best motivator but the image is what i love about these images is that they're neutral if anything they're they're, they're kind of, I, I call them inner empowerment tools where you can meditate on them. And what I saw with the tree is that after the lightning bolt, which you can interpret as all the challenges and, and like, you know, things that have happened that, that our minds can think this, this has damaged me. I am, I am breaking. I am, I'm already a broken tree. But it, it kept saying, first of all, there is no damage. There is no damage. There is only a mark that you can see. It's kind of a, a jagged, you know, line in the tree trunk. And, and picture, you know, years go by, hundreds of years go by, and people can come up to this tree and 
kind of use their fingers to just trace that line and know what had happened before and what that means, you know, whether that bubbles up for them, what is life or what is nature or what is, you know, what is time? All these things people can get just by tracing their fingers along this tree, along that line. And there's so much knowledge and wisdom that you can impart just by being there. This tree isn't doing anything. <laughs> the tree is literally just standing there. And people come up to it and they can witness that mark and they can get all the information they need to get out of it. So I'd invite you to kind of explore like testing out that perspective where it's less of an onus or a burden on you to do something and more like I am being the tree. I'm literally just standing here with my mark showing and people can engage with it in however way they want to engage with it, but they, they will get something from it. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, uh, I am actually seeing myself. It, it, the whole thing makes sense to me. It, it, more now, I like the information. You're seeing it, what you shared with me, you're showing it from a totally different light. I, I could see that as well. The impact of the, impact of the blast damaging and I got that in a sense, but it was okay. I was he he made me strong enough to to endure all of that. All of us are strong enough. But you're right. I one of my fallbacks is always to beat myself into submission to do the right thing. That's some of the wreckage, and I'm just still working on clearing. Yeah, I think that's why this came up at this time in the way that it did to focus on. On there, yes, there was a lightning bolt. Yes, it was sudden. It may be surprised you. It may be, it may have hurt. And yet, there is an impression left there. There's a mark left there. And what do you want to do with this mark? How do you want to invite people to see it? So, in that case, it just feels kind of, it, there's like a lightness to it. It's like, oh, I can make it fun. <laughs> I can make it. You know, they can come to me. They can be outdoors. <laughs> you know, like you can go and and brainstorm and imagine all sorts of things. I'm picturing like an outdoor <laughs> play or something. And there's like the tree in the middle and it's just like storytelling and whatever it may look like. But there's there's something very, very um, just playful and, and harmless in it that there that despite the the imagery that it may seem damaging and seems scary it, it's actually not cool well i'll leave that reading with you and i'll email it to you so that you can always look back at it and when you're when you're in the words themselves they have a lot of positive energy so use it as a meditation tool or just you know ask yourself am i being the tree that's just allowing my mark my impression to be seen and for people to learn from it or am I being the tree that's like trying to do something or the tree that thinks it's just fallen apart and then it's damaged? So, so yeah, ask, ask yourself those questions and yeah, let me know how it goes. Shoot me an email. I always love hearing updates. I actually think I'm thinking of the tree behind with very deep roots, you know, a big canopy over the words, Roth's child. A memoir because I was going to do the originally the uh, AA symbol with a triangle, you know, and with the words Roth's child on top of it and a memoir. But now maybe I like the whole tree thing with the roots underneath it as well. Yeah, because my father plays such a pivotal role in my memoirs, so that's why I've named it Roth's child. Mm. And I'm also trying to fill seats Rothschilds, you know, that name alone is just people see that and they're like, oh, what is that? So right. I thought it was a little. Yeah. Neat play on words. People are like, Roth's child? That is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Play with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, play yeah. Play with it. It's not the first time that people have gotten their branding and mission statement and messaging from the Akashic Records. So it's definitely something that you just explore, see what feels good for you. I had an experience with the uh, Akashic Records being in the hall when I was in the flotation tank many, 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 many years ago. I talk about it in my memoir. Um, 
you know, Casey calls it the rec hall of records and Castaneda calls it the hive. Uh, it was originally the hive when I first had gotten into it and I could see the doorways mm-hmm. to each other world. And then, um, it became a huge expanse of long corridor, long hallways, infinitely high. Uh, and then one, one at, the, at the end of it, I wound up going into the room, uh, with Ganesh in the middle sitting Indian style and two very bright luminous beings on either side that I was unable to decipher. Couldn't see what they were, but, uh, Ganesh had transmitted the thought to me. He had the earth spinning in his right hand and he uh, blew on it and it just disappeared like dust, like from top to bottom. And then the thought he trans- it transmitted to me is you could stay here if you want with us. And then at that moment, I thought, I didn't tell my mom and dad I love them. I immediately came to back in the tank like I was cast out of Eden. It was, it was pretty most amazing, one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my life. Wow. <laughs> you can always go back there. And I guess if you, you can't, I've, you know, fortunately, I've always tried to get back to that room, never, ever get in. But you can certainly get back to the state of mind. Yeah. Mm. I was a craver, you know, the addiction thing, always wanting that feeling, <laughs> wanting that feeling. Yeah, I can imagine that too. It's almost like the more spiritual experiences you have, the more they kind of up level in kind of craziness or awe inspiring nature of it. And then there comes a point, I think it was, there was definitely one point when my ego was like, like, I won't listen until it keeps up leveling. Like these experiences keep oh. up leveling. And I was like, that is not a good way approach because then just like, I, I realized I was like, Nope, I'm going to take a step back from here. Yeah. So at this point, um, I always like to have guests kind of share what is a cause or an event or something that's important to them that they like to share with our listeners and any final words of wisdom. Anybody that sees someone that's sad and suffering, anyone, whenever you can, Make eye contact with people and always have it behind your eyes, love and happiness. I mean, I struck a conversation up with two older women on the train, you know, just by doing that. And that's the most, one of the biggest causes. We can have an impact right here, right now, if I'm trying to give somebody love. Just a moment, like a a booster shot of love to recognize them and see into the people, not looking at them. Seeing into them, this is someone's mom, this is someone's brother, you know, they're having a hard day, they're tired. We all are. That, I think, is the biggest cause, and we could make an impact on our world right there and then. That person's going to go home, and it's going to stick with them. Hey, they, you know, they're going to have a look on their face that maybe their husband or their wife will say, oh, you got you smiling. Oh, I just ran into somebody on the train. You, it, 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 I mean, nobody makes eye contact and talks on the subway, so when it happens... It's like everybody in the subway actually will look at the people talking because they know that they don't know each other, but now they started talking. It's contagious, you know, just like laughter. Um, And anytime you can donate to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, there are privately and they all, you know, operate, you know, under any type of big umbrella, but I'm a big AA fan. So uh, anytime you see any of those buildings or churches, if you throw a penny or a dollar in the donation pot, we appreciate it. Mm. Makes a big difference in people's lives and their families and the people they they then inspire. And then how can people get in touch with you and this fundraiser that you may have mentioned? People can get in touch with me through, uh, you can find me on my website, andrewroth.org. You can email me there. You can also find me on Twitter at Actor Andrew Roth on Instagram, Andrew Roth72, and I'm also on Facebook. Keep your eye out for Roth's Child, a memoir. Uh, I'm going to be performing, hopefully, God willing, uh, the first two weeks of December in uh, somewhere here in Manhattan. My story. Nice. So this is your brainchild and Roth's child. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, a way to inspire um, everyone with your story. Yes, ma'am. So I wish you the best of luck in that. Thank you, Miss Julie. 
Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show, for sharing your story, and for brightening us all with your presence. Thank you so much for having me here, Miss Julie. I'm grateful to be in your presence. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And for you, think about what is the equivalent of the lightning bolt and the tree in your life and how you can inspire others with your story as well. And until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.